Welcome to the first episode of Civil War Breakfast Club. I am your co-host, Mary, also known as Civil War Fangirl on Twitter, and joining me is my co-host, Darren. I just go by Darren. You are not. You're... <laughs> he is <laughs> Darren. Cool... He's Darren J. Weeks on Darren. Twitter. I don't have a cool nickname, but that's okay. So this is the first episode of our Civil War podcast, and yes, we are called Civil War Breakfast Club, but we are actually recording in the evening, and while we record, we're drinking beers. So the concept behind this is basically we wanted a Civil War podcast to, uh, you know, t- do some deep dives into certain aspects of the Civil War, but also do some funnier topics as well, just because we both like to use humor in everyday life as well as on our Twitter account. So that's basically the concept behind it. Do you have anything to add to that, Darren? Nope. I think you uh, hit all the spots. I think it's fun. We'll do a little pop culture in this. We'll do a, um, we'll definitely do a lot of history and learning, but we'll have some fun doing it along the way. Hopefully um, people watch this, they'll get a kick out of it, learn something and, um, you know, watch it again. And I mean, the podcast was um, so funny. We were drinking beer during it because that's uh, something that we both enjoy doing. Um, The podcast was actually, um, you could say like, and then beer happened and then the podcast happened. That's cigars too. Yep. Yes. yes. Good, good southern tobacco. Yes. Yeah. For those who are not watching this via video, for those who are listening, Darren is smoking a cigar right now. Um, we are both drinking out of um, Civil War mugs. So tonight I am drinking a, it is called Lost Club. Lost Craft Eclipse Milkshake India Pale Ale, and that I am an IPA girl. That's pretty much all I drink. You can find me on Untapped, Civil War fan girl, and you'll see I'm all about the IPAs. And I'm drinking it out of Rocka Chickamauga because he is my favorite Western theater general. We will get to who my favorite general is later. <laughs> what beer are you drinking, Darren? Well, I'm drinking from Antietam Brewery, Little Mac IPA, and it takes forever to drink because it's a, just a slow drink, without a doubt. And um, I've got it in my Gettysburg mug because everybody wants to know what if Little Mac was at Gettysburg. <laughs> it never would have happened. He never would have you happened. You were self to cash town hung out there for a while. Never exactly. Yeah. What's the alcohol content on your beer? That's a good question. It's probably um, underestimated. Exactly. Uh, it's one million. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> wow. So Little Mac is overestimating his numbers. That can't be right. <laughs> No, I think it's like 6%. It's, a, it's what you call a morning beer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because I'm Canadian, so I basically drink, wake up and drink beer, right? Mm, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> so anyway, actually, I'm going to give something. Well, I was going to talk about this later, but so the reason I chose the beer I did tonight, it does not have a Civil War connection like Darren's has, but what it does have on it is a crescent moon. And the crescent moon is the symbol of the 11th Corps, which was commanded at Gettysburg by my favorite general, Oliver Otis Howard. If you follow me on Twitter, you know the sort of love affair I have with that man. And also, um, Darren and I are both Team OO. Definitely fans of Oliver Otis Howard, a good solid Mainer, you know, yep. from from New England. I'm in New England. I live in Cape Cod, so Maine isn't too far from here. And um, and I think we both have a, an appreciation for him. And he kind of has a bad rap, I think. I don't. Oh, I, well, uh, you know, he doesn't say a thing. Just a little bit. Um, I found that out. You know. Well, and I think you know, but you know, he ended up having some problems in the East, as we yeah. all know. Ended up moving over to the West, and I think it changed the teams. Helped the location. Helped him out a little bit because certainly he became the, one of the apples of General Sherman's eye. Yep. on the march of the sea right wing they were definitely right wing but i think at the same time i think he uh i think howard does get a bad rap in these though i think he does. He, he does and if you want to go to gettysburg and get in a fight with someone just mention sickles mention first the 11th corps who broke 
first and mentioned yep. Howard. And yep. no, no, for some reason, if you're a died in the world, complete civil war nerd, like we are, you know, you run into somebody who was a fan as well. And you mention Howard and they're going to hit you with all the cliches, all of them. His favorite web service is Sprint. Okay. Very funny. You know, but, but that's the way he, he is. He has a bad rap on it. And I think like we were saying ourselves, once you really get into him and study him, you realize that it wasn't really the, totally the case. And that's one of the purposes of this whole podcast yeah. is kind of is personifying and humanizing these people, you know? So we'll talk about Howard. We'll talk about Sickles. We'll talk about Mary Surratt, <gasps> you know? Because oh we're no. both Team Mary. We're definitely a member of a uh, of Team. You literally, you know, but we're yep. definitely a member of. Hey, got to represent, right? I'm a member of the Surratt Society, which is pretty cool. I am too, actually. Um, did you sign up again? Yep, I did. Excellent. Okay. So you definitely have an appreciation for some of them. So, you know, we want to, you know, go over these people and talk about these people so people can realize, you know, maybe they're not so bad. Maybe Howard isn't so bad. Maybe Sickles move is kind of messed up as it was. Maybe there was a reason for it. Maybe, you know, and so just like anything else, you, you, you want to make people think. Yeah. And while we think, we drink. Exactly. Because beer fuels great Civil War conversations. And again, that's what this is. Beer fuels everything. Exactly. Everything. We just thought like what, you know, the, the name of the podcast came one afternoon when we were having virtual beers and we were we had been struggling for weeks to think of a name and we knew we could not move forward with the podcast until we had a name and we got on the subject of 80s movies and then breakfast club and then we started talking like oh who would so-and-so be from the civil war and breakfast club and then that's how it came about civil war breakfast club but we figure it's just going to be like two civil war geeks sitting in a bar on a friday night having beers discussing the civil war and then you know you maybe, guys get to maybe some cool some morning. cool guests along the way we'll yep. see but yeah, further to your point about, you know, humanizing these figures, that's what it's always been about for me in the Civil War is like, you know, when you start exploring, you know, more of it, that you realize that Howard is more than just Chancellorsville. Sickles is more than just that move towards the peach orchard. And there was, you know, strategy that he envisioned behind it. Um, just those things too. And all just all the kind of the underdog char characters that you don't hear about, especially from the Western theater. I mean, I full well admit that for a long time, I was really immersed in the Western theater. But in the last three months um actually since i became friends with darren i found myself going back toward the eastern theater again and learning more about that but you have characters in the western theater like claiborne lytle you know even rosecrans is an interesting one to study as well that they you know you do the deep dives and you can learn so much more about it and have a better understanding of the war itself too well i think we were saying that one that one day we were talking it's like people associate these people as just names on a map with either a red or a blue dash next to them and every one of these people they have their own lives they have their own dreams they have families they have a lot of them didn't come from the military backgrounds i mean some of them were political guys but some of them were just regular people who, who rose you know we talk about chamberlain being a college professor and yep. you know people like that and understanding you know what you know what, what it must have been like going you know going through with that and, and the slow internet they had to deal with which was which must have been horrible exactly oh it was terrible for them at chickamauga i mean the, all the buffering that must have happened imagine <laughs> bragg's the orders dialogue. didn't get to dh hill <laughs> i mean reynolds and moritz tavern must have been forever trying to download that pipe creek thing that's why you never got it <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would just like open up slowly from the top remember that yeah him and, and howard's on a different howard's got a different company you know for his cell and reynolds is like is that downloading quicker on yours yeah and you know and obviously buford he had the iphone but you know yeah. patrick had a samsung and they, the pictures kept crashing but that's you know it's <laughs> little things like that so yeah. you know um but understanding what these guys are all about in their backgrounds it's uh it's cool i think this is going to be a lot of fun i think it's going to mm -hmm. be educational i think people are going to get a kick out of it yeah. um i think we're gonna hey if they don't who cares we'll have fun 
right? Exactly. Yeah. No, this is what we do. Like we use humor. Um, we frequently have virtual beers together and we talk civil war. We use humor. Full warning. We, we are going to swear on this. This is going to be an explicit podcast. I'd like to think the spirit animal of this podcast is Von Gilsa from the 11th Corps. Was he not the one that could swear in three languages? He was. And of course, Jubal Early. <laughs> yes. Nobody swore like him. Andrew no. Humphreys. Yeah, he was good at it. Yeah. Sickles, Butterfield. Yeah, Gibbon. Gibbon. Hancock. Yeah. Hancock, yes. Definitely Hancock. I mean, Hancock is um it, it you know, when you when you when you read and you learn about these people. Some of these guys in you know, I was um at Gettysburg a few weeks ago and we were having lunch with one of the park rangers and we were talking about who we'd have to have a beer with, who would you want to sit and have a drink with? And it was actually harder than you think to come up with that. Mm-hmm. You know, because like Robert E. Lee, no, because he's just going to sit there, right? Most of these guys, I mean, I think early or sick, I think Sickles would be the one. I think yeah. he'd be the one. Yep. I, I think right? for me, um, and I think we're going to do like a deeper dive on this with an episode, but I think for me off the top of my head, I think um, Armstead on the Confederate side. Really? Yeah. That's a go cool kind. Yeah. Cool I, I just listened to a Battle of Gettysburg uh, podcast. It's an excellent podcast. And if anyone listening has not listened to it yet, um, check out uh, Eric Lindblade and J- Jim Hessler and their Gettysburg podcast. It's awesome. Do they, do they have Wayne Motts on that one? Because yeah. he's like the Armstead expert. Was he the I guest on that one? I think he was. Yes. He wrote, he, was. A really, he wrote a really good book on Armistead. And it's mm-hmm. one of those 30-page books. So you can read it in five minutes. Um, I think it was called like, you know, Have Faith in God and Trust. It was Whatever that quote was he said. I blank. I haven't thought about him in a yeah. while. But but that's that's the highly suggested thing. So that's another thing we can do is we can talk about some some book ideas. And nobody enables books better than Mary. That's for damn yeah. sure. Yeah. I'm queen of the you book know? enablers. You know, I don't buy a book. Amazon calls me and says, where have you been? You know, you all right? <laughs> Reminds one me, I have to, and Darren is not innocent in this book enabling at all. Oh, dear. I guess who's going to buy Fonz when we're done recording this? you like, and then I'm like, then you've obviously like three books and it's a big an investment. <laughs> The Fonz books, you know, you know, there's a there's a lot of places you can go about about the really good Civil War books, and especially Gettysburg. Gettysburg's always been my baby, my baby, you know. Yes. And um, and I'm more of an Eastern guy, and Mary's more of a Western, a Western person, which is kind of cool. But there's some really good books along the way we can probably talk about. Yeah, maybe oh, make some sure. of these people some money. As a matter yep. of fact, Hessler we talked about, he's got a real good yep. Peach Orchard book. Yep. Yeah, I definitely want to talk about that one, and um, hopefully have him on. <laughs> to talk about his book and you know what he had to say about sickles and longstreet in it and all that mm-hmm. but, but yeah i i mean gettysburg is probably it's my favorite battlefield um it's also like it's tied for first for my favorite battle with chickamauga i think they're both equally interesting in different you just like ways. the real bloody ones yep i do yep it's like the violent ones yep but chickamauga that's a good one obviously mm-hmm. but but as these in, as these anniversaries come up as you know right as we sit here it's mid-august or i think it's august i don't stop keep track to be honest, it's August seventeenth. Right. We are one is month that? away. For, it's, no, no, it's the eighteenth. It's the eighteenth. Yep. So we are one month away from the first day of the Battle of Chickamauga, which some people will say the battle began on the nineteenth. I've read the twentieth, but it actually began, I think, on the eighteenth. And we're less than one month away from the Battle of Antietam. Yep, and less, which is preceded by by South Mountain. Yes, which we will be talking about. You know, we got uh, second Manassas coming up. Yeah. So there's a lot of good anniversaries that we'll be talking about too. So yeah. Um, I think I think the plan with this is right now we're just kind of shooting the shit, hanging out. Yeah. But I think we'll, we'll have a we'll have a specific theme for every single one we'll talk mm-hmm. about. Try to have some guests on with those themes. Have some yeah. fun themes along the way. Mary's gonna bring her dog to bark. Oh, goddamn dog. And if we're if we're lucky, we'll watch her get attacked by a bee. That'll be cool. <laughs> or we'll watch Darren get attacked by a bee. It's too soon. Robert E. B. Attacked by Robert E. B. The Battle, Battle of Bee Ridge. Battle of Bee Ridge mowing my lawn a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
I won though. I won. He did. I can attest to that. <laughs> they won the first day, but I came back strong the second day. It was a little Shiloh, little Shiloh action that day for for a union person. But um, but yeah, I think it's it's pretty cool to to, to be able to do this. To be honest, yeah, you know, um, because we're not the pretentious, snotty, too serious type. But I, I think people like to learn about these things and like to have fun along the way with yep. it. I mean, anybody can read Coddington and those books and get a good feel for it. But you know, we like to talk about the people. We like to talk about the stories and the diaries and all yep. the stupid and stuff and have have some fun with it too because they're regular people just like just like the rest of us and and also just tie them into pop culture things like we are planning on doing an episode around you know the breakfast club because that's where our name comes from we're going to do an episode and what we're going to do is we're each going to watch the movie and we're going to pair the characters from the breakfast club with um you know figures from the civil war we're not going to tell each other what we're doing with that but we're just gonna go through our list and tell why yeah and i i think that'll be fun too and try to guess that what it is i haven't seen breakfast coming forever it's a good movie though it is it's a really good movie um that's one of the oh, go ahead sorry, it's one of the one of the john john hughes made that it was one of his movies right i think so yeah yeah i think he died didn't he i think so uh, yeah he passed away i think yeah yeah he did so as i said he went up the spout as yep. some more soldiers <laughs> used to say yeah <laughs> we're yeah we're definitely we're gonna do that like some pop culture stuff um we're also gonna do um every so often often around battlefield or around battle anniversaries we're going to do what we're what we are calling right now civil war fuck up which is you know you think something like order 191 rosecrans ordered a wood that caused the breakthrough at chickamauga bragg's war council or lack of after the first day of chickamauga stuff like that but just were mistakes in civil war but then the other thing that we talked about doing today was underdog moves like these generals or you know whoever colonels that that shone on the battlefield that really were true hero hero that you never hear about like Lytle at Chickamauga. He's one of those underdog stories. Um, and just, to, and, and to Howard can be, I think, classed as an underdog too, that he just, you know, you think Howard, when I did a poll, well, on official poll on Twitter, after I'd announced him as my favorite general, and I said, what's the first thing you think of when you hear the name Howard? Chancellorsville. And I still can't believe the response you got on that. Oh, yeah. You, you, you would have you thought, like you stood up and you said you were going to I don't know, whatever the worst thing a human could possibly do and make an announcement about it. Yep. Because the response you got, and it was funny because it was just unexpected. I guess it was unexpected to a point, I guess, but it was just some people got so pissed. Oh, it was crazy. I've never, so I guess the background of this for those that don't know my background, but I mean, if you've been following me on Twitter for a while, you know that I have been what I would classify a Sherman fangirl forever, but I just, you know, and I still love Sherman as much as I did. I have not cast him aside, cast him aside at all. The way I liken it is that Sherman is like General Meade and Howard is now General Grant. I have not demoted or fired Sherman. You mean like how Meade was demoted when or Grant fired? came? Or fired? <laughs> so oh, I put a PSA about that on my own personal Facebook page like five years ago. I'm like, PSA, Meade was not fucking fired. And that's another thing we're going to talk about is, is the misconceptions, the mistakes people make yeah you know we'll probably talk about dare i say yule taking that hill talk about that that's the one that gets the bands going what yep. if Jackson was at Gettysburg, which wasn't going to happen, but we can talk about that. Yep. That always gets the people foot. Actually, that always gets uh, actually Hessler and Limblade do an episode about um, what if Jackson was at Gettysburg, and it's actually more examining Ewell, but still, it's interesting. Well, it's it never would have happened. It, no. The battle would have the battle would have been fought towards Harrisburg or Maryland if that were the case. And the simple reason is because it wouldn't have been three corps. The only yep. reason they the only reason they went to Gettysburg is because it was so it was spread over a fifty five mile radius north of Gettysburg, and the mm -hmm. road system all brought them back. They 
wouldn't have been so spread out. So there wouldn't have been a Gettysburg. So if you're in the Gettysburg Chamber of Commerce, you should be glad yep. that Jackson was, didn't make it out of Chancellorsville because now <laughs> you have a great tourist industry. Exactly. Tourist attraction. And ghost tours. Yes. <laughs> and oh yes, ghosts is another thing we're, we're going to cover on the show too, because we both find that fascinating. So we definitely want to talk about Civil War ghosts. Mm. Maybe have a cool guest around Halloween. Yeah. Maybe we'll see. Working yep. on that. Want to do People some are talking Halloween. to people. Yep. <laughs> Want to do some fun <laughs> Halloween episodes as well? Um, we could get we could wear costumes. Oh my god! I'm gonna dress up as Barlow. You're just gonna stare off into space the whole I time. Am, I'm just gonna not talk. <laughs> You're gonna carry your boombox. Yeah. And your sunglasses. <laughs> yes, that is like that's an inside joke between us. Um, we w- one thing we're planning for because <laughs> apparently this is a long term thing. Um, next year for the Battle of Gettysburg anniversary, we are going to do an episode around theme music for each of the corps. Like wrestling theme music. <laughs> yeah. And we've kind of determined that the 11th Corps were like the, de- the dealers of the. Yeah. We're going to see who, who the, what kind of kids they were. It kind of goes to Breakfast Club theme, like who were the badasses, who was the, yeah. the sport kids, who was like the prom queen girl. We're going to do cores based on that, who was which. Yeah. We'll have fun with that too. And um, yeah. that was actually, you know what though, Mary? That's actually how we came up with the name Breakfast Club, was we were oh. joking about that. Oh, that's, and that's right where the idea too. Came from. Yeah. And I was sitting on the balcony of the 1863, the in at Cemetery Hill. That's right. We came up with that idea when I was from um, all the way from you in Canada. We, we connected yeah. over the internet and came up with a great idea. Yeah. And there we were. Yeah. here And here we are now talking about it. Um, and shockingly, there was beer involved. Oh, we won't say what time of the day it was. I think it was like 2.30. <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah it, was, <laughs> it was afternoon. It was daytime. I remember that. Yeah. It was daylight. <laughs> So both of us have obviously been into the Civil War for a really long time. Full disclosure, I just turned 38, so I am in my 32nd year. It's, I think it's once you get, once you, the thing about the Civil War is, you know, I grew up in Boston, just outside of the city, and everything here is a lot of history, and everything here is Revolutionary War, it's John Adams, mm-hmm. it's it's all of them, right? Justifiably so, Paul Revere and all that. But I, know, I, I grew up one town over from Lexington. Battle of Lexington. And I went there on school field trips and that was really the only time I ever went because I just never really cared. I was always in a history, but I wasn't really into American Revolutionary history because everyone seemed to be into it. I so I ended up kind of getting into the Civil War just because there were pictures that were taken during it. You could see pictures of Lincoln and the battlefield pictures and the Antietam dead and the Gettysburg dead. So it was it brought it more to life for me. And then as I started to visit the battlefields, it just you just connect to it. And then like like a lot of people, first time I went to Gettysburg, that was this. And yeah. that in Gettysburg, you know, we, we've said this before. You don't you don't choose Gettysburg. Gettysburg chooses you. Yeah. And it, and it, it, it gets in your blood. And I go there probably four times a year, and and I could I could be there forever, literally, you know. And so, um, and then, and then it, it just kind of takes over you at that point. It gets in your blood. It just kind of controls you at that point. And I've, I've said this to you, the last non-Civil War book I read was the last Harry Potter book. Yeah, me too. That's how long ago it was. And ever since then, I read every single day. And growing up, I didn't have a lot of friends were into the Civil War. Because, and I was always kind of a, not an outcast. I think I am more now, like at work. When I drop Civil War lines and Zoom meetings at work, when I say I'll do this project if practicable, you know, that's me, you know, in a larger sense, yeah. we cannot consecrate, we cannot dedicate, we cannot hallow this paper, you know, <laughs> things like that. And they know it's a Civil War thing, but they're like, what the hell's wrong with you? But that's what it is. It becomes a part of you and just kind of takes over for you. And mm-hmm. so, and so as you, as you visit these battlefields, you, you find out that, you know, what really, what the best, best options are for that. Um, and, and then do my own personal history, finding that like I had a relative who fought. And I, we, I, we mentioned this on Rail Splitter, but I can tell that story again. If you, yeah, tell the story because it is fascinating. Not, it's, it's cool. You know, 
So a couple of years ago, actually it was one of a couple of years, everything is a couple of years ago, it seems. The 90s were 10 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but it was like, I had someone reach out to me um, from the town of Brookline Historical Society. Out of the blue, he calls me at work. I my work number, I don't know how. But he says, hey, my name is so-and-so, and I'm part of the, the Civil Bro- Brown, town of Brookline Civil War Society. I feel he was, he was some, some group that we all are a part of. And he goes, I don't know if you know this, but I found this guy, and I ended up connecting him to your father, who gave me your number. That's how I got my number. And, and he was telling me all about this guy. And his name was Elihu French. And he was a guy who grew up in Manchester, New Hampshire which a lot of my family is originally from. And he was part of the 7th New Hampshire Infantry. And he was a company, uh, he was a uh, corporal in Company B. He signed up and it was back when they had like 60 or 90 day papers probably because he was right from 1861. He was one of the first people to do it. And he ended up going to Dry Tortugas, which us Boothies know. Talk That's where the mud. prison is. That'll, right. We'll talk about we'll do a lot of John, John Wilkes Booth stuff. That's where mud and, O'Laughlin and um and Sam Arnold that's that's where they all prison but and from there he had, they ended up going to Buford South Carolina which if you see Glory you know that's that's where they also they also trained as well so he didn't really get in any battles so he got mustered out and he went back and he wanted to sign up again you know like me like wasn't too smart apparently so he decided to sign up again and they told him no they said nope you did your, you did your duty this is obviously early in the war because by the end of anybody who could fog a mirror was was going in the, in the, the Civil War so he moves to Massachusetts and he goes to Brookline, the town I mentioned a little while ago. He he signs up with the second Massachusetts heavy artillery. These are the siege gun guys, the ones who they don't carry the cannons around like you know, uh, Bigelow and those guys. This is a guy who just pounds forts and shoots those guns that go straight up in the air. So he ends up signing on with them, and he go he he trains in Reedville, Mass, which again is where the 54th Mass trained. Mm-hmm. You know, but this is before. So there's connections to all this stuff. He ends up doing that. This time he does get into, into a battle. He ends up at the Battle of Plymouth, North Carolina, North Carolina in April of 64, 64, 64, right. So he ends up going to that and he gets his ass captured. He gets caught. And April 1864, that's right in the high time of Sherman doing his thing in Georgia. And the Confederates were emptying the prison from Andersonville and moving them all to a place called Florence, South Carolina, the Florence Stockade. So they were in the process of opening that up and they moved a lot of the Andersonville guys to Florence and they decided to send my great, great, great grandfather, my grandfather's grandfather, he's just waiting to think about it. He gets sent to Florence, South Carolina. He was one of the initial guests of the state, as they say. He was one of the first people to check into that hotel. And so he was there for a while and he ended up getting sick and ended up dying. Basically, what it came down to is disease and starvation. They ended up having about 18,000 people in a small little place. It was about half the size of Andersonville, but I went to visit it a couple of years ago, and it's a complete hellhole as far as what it must have been like. It was just surrounded by train tracks, so it was always defended. You could, you could not escape. There was no way you were getting out of there. And he ended up getting buried as an unknown in the, the Soldier Cemetery. So I, I went down there. I was in Myrtle Beach for a weekend. I think you know, I remember almost that whole weekend, another story. And we ended up going to Florence and to go find, <laughs> to go find, find his, his grave per se. And basically it's just unknown union dead in, in front of like a football field looking thing. So my grandfather's grandfather was somewhere out in that field. So that was, that was pretty cool to see. And that just kind of was more of like a shot of adrenaline for me to really understand, you know, that this family lineage and, and it really continued my education of this really. I've always been kind of lighthearted with a lot of this stuff too. So I've always kind of had tried to have fun with this, this stuff too, a lot of the civil war stuff, but yeah, I think that's, that's, 
And I was hooked anyway, but then most people here in your neck of the woods too, this, this, some veterans up in Canada, I bet. Yeah. Right? Yeah, there are. You can still all play hockey up there, right? You guys, there was some, well, there was some soldiers up no, there. No, there was some men and from so, my um, county that fought in the Civil War. And so from there, you just, it, it's, it's a thirst for knowledge. I mean, you just, you mm -hmm. can't get enough of it. And most people who watch this, I have to think would feel the same way because why the hell else would you freaking watch this? Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, let's be honest, a Civil War geared thing. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll watch it soon. <laughs> I think uh, most people can probably relate to the story because you have similar stories yourself, probably. Maybe you have some relative and maybe you have relatives on both sides or, you know, the Confederate side even. You, David, you know, as well. <laughs> so there might be an opportunity for people to learn about their own family history too. And maybe, just maybe, we might give someone a reason to study their own family history and find out more about the relatives based on their own Civil War thing. Who knows? We're here to help. Exactly. Yeah inspire help whatever can inspire someone to get into the civil war and that would inspire be is a good word i, I like to inspire people <laughs> you know but again and so that's the great part about all this is yeah i think people what people need to realize is it wasn't that long ago it really wasn't it, you know i was sitting at a, the uh, sweeney's tavern one night in gettysburg and there was a old dude sitting at the bar and he was you know he's old 90s really old and so he, he was sitting there and we were talking to him about the you know gettysburg and civil war and all that stuff and he goes, um, he goes, son, shake my hand. And so he shakes, I shake his hands. And he goes, you just shook the hand of a man who shook the hand of a Confederate soldier who fought at this battle. And I was like, he goes, oh. it turns out as a kid, a little kid, he was at the anniversary, the 75th anniversary at the Peace Life as a child. He met a lot of the veterans. Wow. And so he used to, and, the, and so he met a lot of the Confederates. And so he was meeting them. He was, he was probably six or seven. I, you know, do the math i can start thinking backwards but he um and i was like man i go that's that's just a couple of generations ago if i'm talking to a guy who was talking to veterans of these battles and these wars maybe people should learn more about it since it's kind of just happened yeah and i i think that because unlike world war ii you don't see the veterans anymore and unfortunately no. a lot of the world war ii veterans are kind of going away now too but i think we, because there's not that direct contact anymore i think i think people kind of lose sight of that fact that, that this is not that long ago it really wasn't no it, it's not when you put it that way it doesn't you know when when my father was born in in the 40s there were still civil war veterans alive yeah he was born like you know 80 some years after the civil war was fought which kind of like oh that's i don't know that that kind of thing you know so it's not that far removed i, I think well that would be go ahead that would be I was trying to think. So that would mean, realistically speaking, the guy must have been like over 100 then, right? Because he would have been born in 1840. I mean, I, there were there was veterans who were over 100 years old for the 75th reunion. There's a um, there's a really good book that I can't remember who wrote it. It's in my bookcase of interviews with with veterans from the 75th anniversary at Gettysburg, mm -hmm. and um, and they talked. They all had stewards. They all had people with them to take them places and i think like five or six of the veterans actually died because of the heat at the reunion yeah and that got me thinking can you imagine surviving the battle of gettysburg oh, just to have the battlefield come and get you later oh, it's like God. that final destination movie yeah, it it's is like you yeah. escaped but you weren't supposed to so now i'm gonna get you yeah it's like but you got to live your life because you're like nearly a hundred right so but still like yeah I that's think the book said the oldest guy was but they said he was like 107 but they didn't weren't sure i'll have to get the name of that book maybe it's another book you can buy who knows you know but it's really interesting though and i think i think when you when you really get into it and you realize that like i said it wasn't that long ago it's pretty oh. cool to think about about your own your own history 
your own family history and then yeah. your own regional history. Yeah. You know? And like for and me, it, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, every time I travel, I always go find the town Civil War Monument. I always do it, no matter that's where I, I go. I do too. Yeah. I mean, there's something wrong with us, let's no. be honest. But I mean, so, <laughs> but I think, I think that's cool though, because I, I know whenever I go, I'm the only one there. There's no doubt about that. But it's cool to just embrace that. It's just, it's just really neat to get your arms around that history and just, just get out there. It's, oh. It's excited of God. But, but it just, it just really, it just fires you up and it just, it just, it just really makes you want to learn more yeah and and that's why i'm so excited right now that that's no i love it that's why i'm so excited about doing this podcast with you because like we're both on the same page with this like we're both so passionate about it right and we can hopefully that passion feeds off into people and inspires them to you know maybe look at their family history a little bit more like for me it's as a canadian i obviously i didn't have any relatives like not directly my last well my last name is fincher and i have done some research as to finchers who fought in the civil war they fought for they fought in georgia they were confederates they definitely owned slaves from what i've found out so it's they were now how they're related to me i i'm not sure but they're primarily concentrated in in the southern u.s but you know being canadian it's kind of forced me to look a little bit more outside of my own family as to the canadian connections of the civil war which i found quite a few fascinating ones so for instance jeb stewart was killed by a canadian John Huff. It was a Canadian. It was a Canadian. Was very instrumental in catching John Wilkes Booth. Yes, Edward Doherty, who is buried in Arlington yep. National Cemetery. There were some Canadians who won the Medal of Honor during the Civil War as well. And basically, if you were Canadian and you were going to fight, you were going to do it because you truly believed in that cause that you wanted to help out. Now, for some of them, yes, it probably was about an adventure. From what I've read, it's about like if you're going to pack up and go, you're you're going to to help out. Now in a town about 40 minutes from me called King Carden, there is a monument to a Confederate. His name was Solomon Secord. He was a surgeon in wow. an army in Georgia. He decided around the time of secession to go down to Georgia for a vacation. And he said that they captured him and made him be a surgeon, which a little bit of, I don't know, something going on in that story, but I actually would like to do a deeper dive in an episode around that monument and what he did and all that. What just sounds a good point though. I mean, people don't realize one in every four years Union soldiers wasn't from America. That's yeah. 25%. Yeah. And so you think about, I mean, obviously everyone talks about the Irish Brigade and they talk about the the, the, the flying Dutch and all that. Mm. But, but Canada, you know, had, had quite a bit. Yep. Montreal was a hotbed of conf- Confederate spies. Exactly. I never liked Montreal. Neither of anyway. us. <laughs> <laughs> we, we just alienated all of Quebec right now. We are never going to have listeners from Quebec. Anybody listening from Quebec is like, fuck them. We're gone. Yeah, if you're from, if you're from Quebec, just go off. Bye. You know, go watch no, the, no, we watch the late Canadians play. We welcome everybody. Montreal is a fun city, though, it I will is. say. I've, I've, I've had some shenanigans yep. in that city. Overall, I think, you know, you, and we'll talk more about this when we talk about Howard, and we'll talk about that when we talk about Kelly, and we talk about all these guys yep. going forward to some of these is just how important it was a lot of the soldiers i mean unlike now they weren't too welcoming to foreigners in this country no did you notice the sarcasm right there yeah. how, how, mm-hmm. okay. barlow hated just, germans yeah a lot of them did and so he i mean yeah he hated germans for a million different reasons but obviously for his, his own core you know there was you know obviously when franz siegel left we'll, we'll do all that but, yeah. but but i think the, the realizes was they were fighting for different reasons and and what the lazy german thing i never got because they 
they had some really hard battles in Germany. Oh yeah, like what was some that real one guy ones? from the Eleventh Corps that broke into that hospital or that jail, all James Bond style, and rescued his general or whatever it was? We'll, we'll, we'll think about that. Siegel. That's, that's deep in the back of the mind. Yeah, I just listened. But to I mean, that but you see, too. but 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 you realize that these guys weren't liked for a million different reasons. This country never was very welcoming to people like that, even if they were fighting for their own country. And I think a lot of that is comes out in those perceptions we talked about, like with Howard. Mm-hmm. Not so much about him, but about his soldiers, yep. about, about the, the experiences they have. But they forget about the effort they did on July 2nd on East Cemetery Hill. They forget about that, yep. the 11th Corps. They forget about, obviously, the, the kind of the courts, things were a little different when he went out west. But staying in the east, he gets the bad rap for Chancellorsville. And the one, the one knock on Howard is he wasn't with them when the attack came. But that's... That happens, you know, whatever. But yeah. But I think I I think as you, like we said a little while ago, once you study these these guys and you you, you get to know them and what their their plight was, it's it, it really opens your eyes to a lot of different things and a lot of the perceptions that you might have about these guys are either wrong or diluted or just force fed down your throat so you believe it. Yeah, it's really fascinating to do the deep dives into it, and that that's what I like doing. I mean, I mean, one of the weeds I went off into was Civil War horses of all things, finding out who Little Sorrel was, Cincinnati, Rienzi and just and especially old Herbaldi's story Meade's horse is probably my favorite because they went Meade took him riding after the civil war and they would go off mm-hmm. just the two of them and I really believe the only reason that Meade was doing that was because they'd had the shared experience of something so terrible that Meade just yeah. felt at and, peace with him and of course it was Howard's horse Tony Montana yes <laughs> Tony Montana Howard's horse <laughs> Um, yeah, if anybody, again, follows me on Twitter, you will know if, like a week ago, I tweeted a photo of Howard's horse with a gigantic joint in its mouth. With the horse with kaleidoscope eyes. eyes. Yeah, because the horse, if you look at it, the Gettysburg, it looks like it's high. I would challenge anyone to go to East Cemetery Hill and look at that horse and tell me that horse is not high. Yeah, exactly. Barlow was, de- Barlo was dealing to that horse. Even Hancock statue was like, whoa, buddy. Yeah, dude. <laughs> You've done enough. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Christian general is okay with it. He's like, well, if it keeps him calm in battle. Yeah, exactly. That's probably exactly why he did it, probably. It made him mellow. <laughs> I need yeah. to mellow. This guy needs to mellow the fuck out because I got to decide on the ground here. <laughs> <laughs> but the horse was a good, that was a good Facebook Live you did, too, about that, actually, um, on the horses. Because who the hell studies the horses? I mean, if you don't think about it. Well, I, I do. because you know? I'll tell you who are... does. Mary Finch, Mary Finch just studies the damn horses. I do. That's who does. Yeah, because they do become extensions of the general's personality. Like, for instance, like Sheridan was, I've read a biography about Sheridan. He was a bit of a dick at times. And his horse was also a bit because the guy that, the horse, Rienzi, was actually born in just outside the town of Port here in Michigan, which... When there's not a pandemic going on, I frequent that town every five or six weeks to go grocery shopping. I have friends that own a brewery there, so I go hang out with them. Shocking. I know people that own a brewery. Maybe um, don't we all? Those are the, yeah. those are the good friends to yeah, have. Yeah, they are. I also know people that own a winery too, which... <laughs> Yeah. Rienzi was born in that town and he was given as a gift by the citizens of Port Huron to this one soldier. Well, anyway, the horse was like this feisty bastard that didn't want anything to do with the dude that he'd been given to. 
And so it was kind of a reluctant relationship. So one day Sheridan was by the horse and the horse took to him. And the, the guy that had been given to it, he's like, he's yours. You can have him. <laughs> he's all yours. And that was how Rienzi and Sheridan came to be together. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody looks, looks, everybody the rest looks of the at, war. yeah, looks at Robert E. Lee with his horse, obviously Traveler, Traveler and, yep. you know, and he's probably the most famous horse of all, to be honest, in the Civil War, because everyone knows that. Everybody knows who Bobby Lee's horse was. Yeah, they had a connection with them. And that's the movie, the movie Gettysburg shows that pretty well too, actually. Yeah. Because he had, he had a second horse too. He had two horses. And, but Travelers is the, the more famous of the, of the two. Yep. And Grant's favorite was Cincinnati, which was given to him after the battles for Chattanooga. And Cincinnati was actually the son of the fastest thoroughbred in the time at the U.S., who, whose name was Lexington, which there is a um, brand of bourbon called Lexington named after that horse. I also really? like bourbon. Yes. <laughs> Mary, with all of your bourbon needs. I will enable you to buy bourbon too. Books well, that's bourbon. that's exact, exactly what I need yep. is bourbon in my life now too. Yep. <laughs> I do good bourbon from time to time. I was in, I was in Kentucky not too long ago. Uh, partook in a little bit of bourbon, little cigars. Nothing better than a cigar and bourbon. Oh, like that. I agree. My favorite bourbon is Knob Creek. Not shocking considering what got me into all of this was Abraham Lincoln when I was six years old. You were drinking bourbon when you were six years old? Yes, I was. Good <laughs> for you. <laughs> No. Yeah, you got, you, got to, you got to start young. I mean, I know it's Canada, but still, you know, good for you. Oh, my foray into the Civil so War. So I, I, I was in kindergarten. We go drink some bourbon. Drinking bourbon it's great, with though. Canadian. Oh, my foray. Chasing the, horses. My foray to the Civil War was one night when I was six years old. and My dad had bought me the Time Life series, a Civil War book. He didn't buy them all for me, but I've since completed the collection. So they were just like, basically like, give an overview of various aspects of the Civil War. They're actually pretty good. So one night I... Are those those like the, the, the picture books? Those little black, the Time Life ones? They're, yeah, those they're ones like that, coffee, yeah, not they're coffee just, table size books, but they're they're fairly yeah, I, thin. No, I have that same set. I, got, I think I got most of the books. There's a Gettysburg one. There's like this Antietam and they break it down. And it's great for the pictures. Oh, yeah. And that's you what, know? I'm six, but I was all, like my grandma had taught me to read by the time I was like three years old. So of course I'm like reading and I'm reading the book about the assassination. Mm -hmm. So I knew more about the assassination and Abraham Lincoln than I did before I started into the Civil War and the Civil War came after that mm. and because I was kind of like just like you I was kind of like the outcast I still kind of am a little bit I didn't really talk about what I was doing with it, but I was going home and reading about it because we're not taught it in school at all like we don't study the Civil War here in Canada at all I don't, um, don't you don't get it here either no the Civil no. War has always been about America's black eye yeah and I remember when I was in high school we went from industrial industrial revolution it's a quick overview in about two days of the Civil War then it was Lincoln assassination, and that and that that was it. The Lincoln assassination, we, I know mean, we talked about that too. That's one thing that really grabbed me when I was young too. Yeah. And if, and if there's one part of the Civil War that I really, really, really get into, it's that. And there's a lot of good books about 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 Booth, about oh, all yeah. that. We we talked about that fantastic book by Kate Larson, Assassin's Apprentice. There it is. Which is didn't, what we didn't even plan that. that did you see, you that said Assassin's Apprentice? You've got Harry Potter on your mind. Oh, <laughs> uh, what I what I said. Yeah. That's why we're gonna do this with less with less beer. <laughs> Assassin's Accomplice. Assassin's Accomplice by Dr. Kate Clifford Larson, which I'm reading it right now. Definitely recommend it. Very good. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the ending, but it doesn't end well. It does not end well for Mary. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And we'll talk about that yep. a lot. You know, Mary Surratt's somebody who I've always liked personally, always have. And so 
I think we both, I know we both agree that Chicano is done wrong. Yep, very and much. And some of our friends don't really agree with that. But I think it's, I think it's a good study because her, her study is a fascinating one. I mean, you want to talk about an independent woman for a period in the mid-1800s. You know, she never, never remarried. Her husband died took over the family business. I've always thought it was really cool that the, the farm she grew up on is where Andrews Air Force Base is now, where the president's plane takes off the lands all the time. And that was her land. So there's all those historical little weird little connections about that. And um and we'll 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 do a real deep dive into that. We're just gonna decide yeah. what we're gonna do it. We'll have we'll have Dave on maybe. Yeah. That, maybe we can you know. actually do it jointly with Rail Splitter Podcast. Ooh, crossover, crossing the streams. Yes, crossing the streams. Yeah. I'm actually <laughs> a member of a Abraham Lincoln podcast as well called Rail Splitter which I've been part of for three years now with Nick and Jeremy who live in Rockford, Illinois. So, but the, reason I, want, yeah, the reason I wanted to do this, that's one of my favorite <laughs> movies, League of Their Own. That's a- Love it. But the reason <laughs> I wanted to do this podcast with Darren is because I want to do more deeper dives into the Civil War. I don't want to take away from the Lincoln aspect of Real Spiller podcast. So, but we do see ways that we can collaborate and work together because I, the one thing that I believe of in the Civil War field is that the collaboration is great. You can learn so much from other people there's no need to be like a gatekeeper for anything Darren and I like when we became friends he's very much eastern theater I'm western theater but we know that we can learn a lot from each other and we already have so far like I know more about the battle of Gettysburg now and more about the eastern theater and it's just it's great to be able to have those conversations with somebody and what how we're talking on here <laughs> is this is how we interact when we have virtual beers together like oh yeah nothing talking about brag and rosecrans I even tweeted Western theater today. That's your, that's impacts you right there. I'm proud of you. Western commentary. Hashtag. Yeah. But that's, and that's the other thing too, is you can take like somebody like Braxton Bragg at Chickamauga where you look at him after that battle and you can't help but laugh. He's got this, like the union army, they've retreated back into Chattanooga. They're behind the fortifications that Bragg's army built when he went there in like during the summer of 1863. And Bragg is like up on him lookout mountain and he's doing like administrative work and he's worried about that Polk could possibly be talking about him behind his back and Longstreet is there to possibly take over the army and well, you, it's like have... Forrest is coming and telling him like we could get them we really could and Bragg's like oh. Brax and Bragg is like the Charlie Brown of the football of, the, of this confederacy it, what always struck me about him it took forever for them to get rid of him. Corinth, gets his ass kicked. He retreats from virtually every battle. Rosecrans was slapping him around left and right. Yeah. Where the Red Sox slapped the Indians around, actually, as a matter of fact. Hey. And, um, <laughs> and well, not this year. <laughs> Dumpster <laughs> fire much. Speaking of, the, speaking of Braxton Bragg, how about you talk about the Boston Red Sox? I, I, I also, you cut out there. What was that? Speaking of Braxton Bragg, how are you doing? No, I, still, I still can't hear you. <laughs> hey, they've won six games this year so far, and it's mid-August. Winning so like Braxton Bragg was. Hey, he, 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 he had his Chickamauga, right? But even the whole, the whole Rosecrans thing with him was funny because it must have been his white whale for a while because because he couldn't you, and not like rosecrans was grants either that was the funny part about it oh no I mean, he was by no confused and stunned like a duck head on the head lincoln's words to john hay yeah but, it's, but they kept bragging around and you look at like the peers in the in the east 
well, these guys are getting fired every five minutes for different things. Yeah. And can you imagine Bragg fought in the union? I mean, he wouldn't last in five seconds. No, no. And that's the other thing. That's the difference between the Eastern and Western theater is Eastern theater. The media is much closer to. So I think they feel like they're under that scrutiny more. Whereas the Western theater, it's kind of like, I don't know, in a way I see it as being like, I want to misfit toys in some way. Like yeah. there's all these interesting characters out there. But like Bragg, like after the battle of Chickamauga, like his commanders get together and they sign this petition, which basically says you suck, you need to go. And that's literally what they wrote too. Yeah, it is. Exactly yeah, you what suck, they wrote. you need to go. So uh, you suck, sir. Yeah, you suck, so you need to go. <laughs> they bring Jeff Davis down early November of 1863 and they all have this meeting and they air their grievances and they basically say why he needs to go. Bra Davis is like, okay, leave the room. And he says to Bragg, don't worry, I've got your back. You can stay. I mean, I'm not sure what the, what the if he had pictures or something with him, with Verena, who knows. But there was there must have been some reason why he kept him. And, and now there's a, there's a base named after Bragg, which is hilarious for a million reasons. And we're not going to be talking about all that stuff. But I mean, just unless you want to. But in the last couple months, I've got more into the Western theater. I've been reading a lot more. I'm reading that Vicksburg book now. And, and you read this and you go, what the fuck? Like how the hell could they could they make this many mistakes and still still be functional and still keep right? these people? When you look at Hood Franklin and you look at Lana and you and you look at just the the dumpster fire of a shit show these guys were yeah. and they all stuck around. I mean Hood they couldn't get rid of the guy. Brad, no. you couldn't get rid of the guy. No, the only, all, the only reason Hood's in charge is because Claiborne had his emancipation where he like draws up this thing where he's like, hey, if we emancipate the slaves and put them in the army, we might be able to win this thing. That, that went over well. Except way. he's saying it to a bunch of people that own slaves and yeah. they're like, dude, do you understand what we're fighting for? Yeah. Claiborne to me was, this is my unpopular opinion, he was a little bit better than Jackson. And he, I don't think it's an unpopular opinion, yeah. at least in the West anyway. You, no. say that, you say that over in Virginia, they'll probably draw oh, for yeah. you. Well, he was known as the Stonewall of the West, but because of that, he gets passed over for command. And that, to me, is why Hood, because Davis is tired of Johnston's cat and mouse, but Johnston by that point is done with the Civil War. He wants it over, so he's just playing the retreat game with Sherman. He puts mm -hmm. Hood in charge, which is like Hood is sacrificed to his body on the altar of the confederacy and he's going to expect his men to do the same yep it's it, it really it really is something when you get to know these guys like we were saying before knowing these guys as people and learning about their own history and how they did it and how they you know how they talked yeah i mean there's not even a hundred percent proof that the whole stonewall jackson name was a was a compliment by b yeah. that day yeah it was supposed to be it was supposedly could have been sarcastic like well, just he was standing around jackson. doing nothing there goes jackson like a stone wall and like calling on you know fat kid slim or something you know maybe that's what it was maybe 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 it was an insult that stuck maybe that's why he got stuck in that tree well and, and exactly yeah and that's the thing and the like, persimmon tree that day like jackson dies at the right time to where he's elevated to this almost like deity like status where you know again it goes back to howard so i mean you say howard you think chancellorsville you talk about jackson you never talk about what was it kernstown kernstown where he, kernstown. Where he got pantsed hard yeah and and he blamed garnet for us yeah and garnet was kissing his ass right to gettysburg that's why he wanted to why he rode the horse at Pickett's charge because he yeah. wanted to prove his his medal to you know to all them it just goes to show what a prick Jackson was. If you think yeah. about it, oh, he he I mean, was told like told and totally that way. And yes, Jack Jackson had his talents, but. I think when you compare him to people, especially in the West, to Albert Sidney Johnson, to Patrick Claiborne, to Hardy, you know, there's some, like, especially Claiborne, there's well, some I mean, aspects of Claiborne that, that are better. And the reason Claiborne doesn't get elevated to that status is Claiborne, with his emancipation, 
does not fit the lost cause myth at all. Well, where was Claiborne from? He was from Ireland. Well, that's part of it too. Yeah, it, exactly. It goes back, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier. It was that it was Irish guy is coming in here and he's telling us to free our slaves. And, and he was right all along. Yeah. But you're, to your point, especially after the Emancipation Proclamation, there's no way they were ever going to do that. Mm-mm. And and so he ends up kind of being held back and pushed down a little bit. Yep. While the, the good old boys of, of the South, Jackson and, and Beauregard and all those guys. Actually, Beauregard got, got pushed around a little bit too when yeah, he retreated he from Corinth that time. Yeah, and I mean, I, you know, you have to think at Shiloh when he's going in. So, I mean, Johnson at Shiloh is out in front with his men. He knows what's going on. But unfortunately, because of that, Johnson gets that gets shot in the leg and he dies. Beauregard, Beauregard, as we're calling him now, is back behind the lines. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Beauregard. Beauregard now. <laughs> <laughs> we will change the names if we can on this podcast. He's back behind the lines. And the next day, you know, they don't expect that bombardment they get. So Beauregard's, you know, chief of staff, I think it was, says to him something like, are we not like a lump of sugar that's got water on it? We're about to dissolve. Maybe we need to get out of here. Well, speak, speaking of Shiloh, another thing we can talk about too is, you know, we've been, we have a million ideas we've been talking about yeah, for a while with this, but... But, you know, just the fate, like what would have happened if they didn't have that thunderstorm at Shiloh for those two days? Because then Buell doesn't arrive on time. Yeah. They'd probably get pushed right back in a Pittsburgh landing right right off. The, yeah. And that's probably, that's probably Wallace's it. Wallace's roads might get muddied up if he's finally fucking found his way. What happens if, if you know, Albert City Johnson doesn't get killed? And we talked about that a million times. Yeah, because he was, you know, he was If good. you have a guy in that Western theater who could challenge Grant and Sherman, does Grant Johnson. come? Does Grant come east if Johnson's still there? Probably yeah. not. No. So there's no Overland campaign. You know, does, does Meade do what Grant did? You know, I don't know. Maybe. The, that's why we studied this 150 friggin' years later because there's yep. so many ifs, the what ifs, and it's not just the the, the stuff we talked about before about Yule and the Hill and all that stupid shit, but just the the little things. These are the things I think about when I'm at home alone. The power goes out. In case you're curious. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, Dan, what if it didn't rain in Shiloh? The you power know? was out one time, I think, with, when I was living with my parents, and we were just sitting there in silence. And I think I said something, I don't know what it was. I'm like, I don't know why he didn't take the hill, but it's bothering. I think I was like 10. As before the shark epidemic hit Lake Huron, too. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> but, but all the, but all the, um, all those little things, that's what. See, that's what gets you in these battles. Oh, As you yeah. think about these guys marching, linear formation, battle formation, and all this stuff, you know, and all these things were, most of these battles were, were determined by complete luck Oh, on so many little things. And, sure. you know, I was listening to the, um, the Battle of Gettysburg podcast today, which, like we said, everyone should listen to that. Because yep. um, Hessler and Limblad, they're, they're great. That is a great yeah. hardcore nerd fest you watch you watch you know l- listen to them for a while and i was listening to the episode that they had gary edelman on talking about little round top and the misconceptions of little round top obviously i'm a, I'm a round top guy though mm-hmm. because i mean I, I i think that if they would have gotten up there if benning had followed law like he should have they would have taken round top and the question is could they get artillery up there that was a pain in the ass because even the union guys that's all they talked about was just lugging the guns up there yeah but if they could have got up there, but the Sixth Corps probably would have pushed them off. Realistically, they probably would have. But if they got a gun battery up there and they could fire along the line, who knows? Yeah. It, you know, maybe it, they do retreat. The, the what-ifs are so just, I don't know, like when you think about, like, what if Warren hadn't went up there and spied that ground? You know, the other thing that I was just thinking of, too, is there's a lot of battles in the, um, the Western Theater 
that are just as horrific as those battles in the Eastern Theater, like Kennesaw, sure. Kennesaw Mountain is just like what happened at Mary's Height, how the, well, those sure. men had to go up and they were just like, like literally like aim the rifles down and shoot them. But they were also, that's another place where Claiborne was. And I think where Claiborne was, was the worst. That's where the Union had to well, go first. Well, if anybody has been a Kennesaw and you've walked Cheatham Hill and, and it's in, Pickett Charge is a picnic compared to Cheatham Hill. Mm-hmm. I mean, why they did that? Because it was it was a mini version of of Pickett Charge. What was neat about Cheatham Hill though was they took a break in the middle of the battle. Yeah, and they the Confederates, the Union guys, played cards with each other and buried the dead and hung out and traded tobacco and then okay, breaks over, everybody go back and they started killing each other again. They just they just took a break in the middle of it. But if you walk that ground. They had no chance, absolutely no chance, you know, and it's, it's a great vista and it's a great place to walk if you, if you haven't gone. So definitely anybody who hasn't been at, been to Kennesaw or any of these Western theater, that's the only one I've been to in the West. I'm, I'm not like you who've been at Chickamauga a million times of, of those places. Yeah, we'll road trip to Chickamauga sometime. Yeah, but that, but oh, definitely, but that's your place though. Yeah. You know, and that's that, and that's, oh. but that's awesome. Snodgrass that's, Hill is, Snodgrass Hill is like Little Round Top for me. Little Round Top yeah. is the most powerful spot on earth for me. But next to that is Snodgrass Hill where Thomas did what he did. That is yeah. like a place where you can go and stand and you can like almost feel like how confident he was in that. Like he's going to hold this because he's got to, because Rosecrans is like fucking back in, in Chattanooga. Well, what if line stretches like a to, mile long? Speaking of Thomas, he's a Virginian. What if he stays with the Confederacy, Ooh. which he very well could have and probably should have? You know, Lee certainly didn't. Yep. Right. I mean, he he, he got the hell out of that pretty quick. But yeah, that's that's that, those are the fun things to think about. Is anybody who studies this does the what if thing? You just do because you, oh, it's, it's you, unavoidable. You can't, you can't help but but do that because it, it's fun. And I, there's some that don't like the what if, but but to me, it's like. No, let's talk about it because it allows you to show, like, to think about what you know about the person and apply it to a different situation to talk about how they would react. And I think it actually furthers learning in the long term and helps you to understand them better for why they made the decisions they made. Yeah. I mean, certainly, absolutely. And just going, what, you know, what, what personal demons were they fighting? Yeah. When they were making these decisions, you know, what, yep. what was going on in their heads about who do I fight for? You know, there's that famous story when, when Armistead and they were all out in that small little outpost called Los Angeles yep. and the war broke out. Plenty of beach, beach property available back then. You know? <laughs> Malibu beach, you could buy whatever you wanted back then. But I mean, you know, they're all going off to fight war and stuff like that, you know, and it's, 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 it makes you wonder what, what they was going through their heads, yep. you know, deciding, well, do I fight for, a country who I took an oath to, who I have a lot of friends with, or I fight for my very own state. And that's a big difference now in this country is now it's not a state pride like it was back then. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the Civil War. The Civil War brought the country into one country yeah. versus then it was, it was your state. You, you fought for your state. You, you, it was a line in the movie where, you know, Virginia is my home. My government and my home is my home. You yeah. know, I think it was Kemper who said that in that scene. And he's, he's right about that because Back then, it was they didn't believe in a strong federal government. They certainly cared more about what their governor felt than what their president did, especially didn't agree with the president. Nowadays, you know, the president of the United States is the one who kind of runs everything. There's just not that state pride anymore like there was. And that's why, you know, how when you look at all the impact, the post-Civil War impact into this country now, in the, in the Ken Burns documentary, Shelby Foote, 
who is a heavenly loss causer, by the way. Oh. You know, I mean, if you want to talk about a capital L loss Big causer, it's Shelby yeah. Foote. But he talks about, he says, you can't, and he's right about this. I, I think he's right. He says, you can't understand the American culture today without a firm understanding of the American Civil War because it defined the country good and bad from what it was and what it is now. And all the issues this country has now are still spillovers from the Civil War. Yep. And you could trace it to the Civil War and the Lincoln assassination. Oh, I talk how, about that all the time. You know? I was at a family gathering one time and, and one of my cousins said, why is this happening in the U.S.? And my uncle just pointed to me and said, Mary, explain why, because I'd had many conversations with him about it. And, you know, I just said I mean, Civil was, War. The Civil War ripped open a wound that was coming. And yeah. instead of, like when you break, your, you break your arm, you break a leg, you, you get... You were a splint, you got a cast, and it heals. They let it heal on its own. Yeah. And it didn't grow back right. I mean, it's, it fun, it's functioning, but it still shows the wear and the damage because it wasn't allowed to f- completely heal because of Lincoln's assassination. And we, and we talk about the Booth thing and the assassination. That's really the damage he did. Is, isn't 1865 U.S.? It's 20th and 21st century U.S. is really the damage he really, really did. Oh, yeah. And when you, when you study him, at a complete uber nerd level like I do, it's, it's very obvious, it's very clear that that's the long-term damage he did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. As somebody who's been like, I mean, I was, I mean, full disclosure, like the night that I got into Lincoln, I was just as into Booth. Now I'm going to put it out here. Like I hate what he did, but he is a fascinating figure in history to study. You have to study him as part of the Lincoln assassination. And by studying him, by studying the other conspirators, you're going to learn more about Lincoln and his presidency, about why they did this, and in turn, more about the Civil War, and also more about the conflict that is still happening in America to this day. We'll do a lot on them, the conspirators, and not just Booth, but all the, the Davy Heralds, the Atzerats, the Powells, the, right down the line, like we've said a million times, they're all so different from each other. Mm-hmm. And how this group of people all got together is, is, is kind of a silly story anyway. You know, knowing everything they had to go through and everything they were thinking of. And, you know, these people had lives. They had families, too, and they had their own things and whatever, whatever demons they were fighting to do what they did. And to your point, Booth is, you know, he's a, an absolute capital V villain. Is, yeah, and, he is. And when, we, and, and when we talk about Booth, by no means are we deifying him or saying he's anything but no. that. But, but it's important to understand what he did, why he did it, what was going through his mind, and the impact he's had in society, life, and politics since then. Yep, it's like Voldemort and Harry Potter. You can't make Booth into he who must not be named. And we, we've said this before. You, you, can't, you can't possibly do a 360 study on Lincoln without really knowing John Wilkes Booth. Because exactly. he's, he's a big part of the story. He, yep. he is. And people, the very pro-Lincoln people, obviously, don't like to talk about Booth. And I, I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. But you can't, pretend, you can't pretend he's, you know, he isn't what he is. He's, he's someone who, very famous at the time before, yep. was connected to a lot of famous people. And, and what he did was absolutely horrible. And no one's, by no means anybody going to say that's not the case. But, but understanding what this guy was all about. You exactly. Know? And, so, and we'll have guests on. We'll talk yep. about that, and that, and we'll talk more about about all those things. I think it's going it's to be interesting to really, like we said when this whole thing started, before you became a floating silhouette. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like a ghost right now. I have to keep leaning back in. I forgot to turn on my fucking porch light. <laughs> this, this is the segue of the Ghost of Gettysburg Mary edition. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> just every time I poke it, so I'll make sure and see a hand go right through your face. There you go. All right. Make sure it doesn't go all the way through. See if you can go all the way through your ear, though. See if you can, see if you can do a little Chamberlain Ramrod thing. Go right. Wow. <laughs> a burb on the podcast? Yeah. <laughs> and then our listeners just find out that we're best friends, right? So. <laughs> exactly. But, but, I think, but I think that's, that's what's going to be great about this is we'll be able to really do this. And, and like we said at the beginning is make people think and maybe, yep. maybe get people to study more about some of the, these, this cast of characters, not just go with what you were taught or what the popular mainstream is about every one of these guys. And I think once you get to know them as people, your outlook will be a little bit different. Yep. I 100% agree with you. I actually think that is a good spot for us to end off for our first episode because I think we were at about an hour. Or a that was boot. an hour. Wow, that was quick. A boot an hour, it was. It was, it was a really boot an hour. Quick. It was a boot an hour. <laughs> Got to get some Canadian there. Um, so we will definitely be back with you again soon. We are planning on putting these out once a week, probably Saturday around 9 o'clock. I'm the editor of them, so <laughs> the sounds not so, perfect. So it might, it might be it might be nine. The sounds not 10. perfect. I am learning. I am learning. I know the editor of Real Sweater Podcast, so I can always consult him too. I'm just impressed you actually recorded this one. If it didn't have a little red little record in the top corner, I think we just completely wasted our time talking to people. No, I've got a little. Don't this. worry, I've got a little record in my top corner here. I've got but it there. I, we're good. No, definitely. But this will be fun. I think this is going to yeah. be a lot of fun. So hopefully we get some people talking about it and get some yeah. people conversing about it. And hopefully some people watch it. That'd be cool. Yeah. No, that would be really cool. I'm hoping I can get this up onto YouTube somehow or onto Facebook on our Facebook page, which I have to create. So do have some, we do have Twitter and Instagram accounts. Uh, we are just Civil War Breakfast Club um, as well. We each have our own Twitter accounts. So Darren is Darren J. Weeks on Twitter. And I am Civil War fan. Or no, I'm at Miss Bellatrix. Miss underscore Bellatrix. <laughs> Harry Potter you got your own Twitter handle. That's impressive. I did, yes. Well, my <laughs> name on there is Civil War Fangirl. And I'm Everybody also... knows Civil War Fangirl. <laughs> Come on. And Darren's also on Instagram too as Darren J. Weeks. And I'm on Instagram as Civil War Fangirl. So you can find us on there as well as, like I said, find us at Civil War Breakfast Club. Once we get our Facebook page up and running, we are going to do our best to post ahead of time what our topics are going to be because we would like to get questions from our listeners to not only just kind of look at where we need to take our discussion, but just to answer those when we're recording them as well and just find out what you guys want to know as well. So we want to make this as an interactive as community as possible and as open and accepting as well. So we don't want anybody to feel shy about joining or think like, oh, I'm too geeky. You're not too geeky. Nobody's more geeky than us. So yeah, tr- yeah, trust us. And if anybody has any ideas, you know. Yes, we are open to any episode ideas, anything you guys want us to talk about. We welcome suggestions. Also, we would welcome beer recommendations too. Hmm. I like that. Yeah. Just no one say Bud Lime. But except for Miller Light, <laughs> Bud Light, Molson Canadian, Labatt Blue. That shit's not allowed on the show. Well, this is a quality beer establishment we're talking about. Darren, no, Darren learned the hard way about drinking Miller Lite. Oh, God, did I? It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is fun. So we'll, we'll look forward to definitely doing this again soon. We'll uh, decide what our topic is going to be. we got a bunch of ideas already. Yeah. And so we just got to decide what we want to do next. And 
and then we'll get this this whole floating silhouette thing. That'll be pretty yeah, cool. Yeah, I will spooky. make sure I'm in a better spot next time where um, I'm going to have to probably... It's kind of cool, though, the way it is. It's Somebody weird. Close, but, but, you know. <laughs> 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 but it's um, it's really, really cool. So I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I think everyone's going to really enjoy it. I think it'll be entertainment. I think it'll be educational. Yeah. And I think it'll be something that um, people hopefully tune in and watch on a regular basis. Yep hopefully and so to those listening thank you for listening thank you for watching um the first episode of civil war breakfast club and we will definitely be back with you again very soon so until then have like an awesome saturday because that's when you'll be listening to this cheers and um hey if you're into beer make sure you maybe um if you're listening to this saturday afternoon make sure you're drinking a beer while you're doing it Sorry. Or it'd be real cool if it was a Saturday morning drinking a beer watching this. Oh, hey, I've done that. Because <laughs> as Benjamin Franklin astutely once said, you cannot drink all day unless you start in the morning. Exactly. And he's right about that. That's true. <laughs> so, um, so any parting thoughts, Darren? Nope. I'm just looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yep. I can't wait till the next one. Yep. So on behalf of Darren and myself, everybody have a wonderful Saturday or... Yeah, we're launching this on Saturday, so have a wonderful Saturday, and we will see you all again soon. Bye. Peace out. See ya.